Welcome back to the Ronnie's Awesome List podcast. I'm Ronnie. In our attempts to shield our kids from what we perceive as harmful, we actually remove valuable life lessons. They need to be productive adults, which is why I'm excited to introduce my next guest, Misha Goffman, founder and director of Croca Expeditions, a nonprofit wilderness expedition camp and organic farm in Marlow, New Hampshire. Misha will be speaking at the Marin Waldorf School in San Rafael on Tuesday, November 13th at 6.30 p.m. about the positive impacts that come from allowing our children and teens to take healthy risks. Welcome, Misha. Thank you for having me. So how did these unique outdoor adventures for youth evolve into Croca Expeditions? That is the story going back to my childhood. When I was a little boy, uh, our parents took us on months-long expeditions in the summer. And every weekend, we would be out in the country. I grew up in St. Petersburg, Russia, working in the garden, cutting firewood, and getting our little cabin ready for the winter. That's how the love for outdoors was passed on to me through generations and was done by necessity because in the summertime when we traveled down rivers in our homemade packable boats, we collected wild foods, we fished, and we worked on farms, and that's how we got good nutrition, which was not available at the city at that time. So this is, this is the start of Croc Expedition through my childhood. So why is it important for kids to take these kinds of risks that you took in your childhood? Well, kids are going to take risks whether we permit them or not. So if they're not able to take healthy risks, they're going to take unhealthy risks. We see this all around us today, what is happening as far as kids using substances, driving on the wrong side of the road. There's a score of reasons uh, why human beings should take risks all through our life. Common sense of a human being develops through experiences. When we are dealing with emergencies of every kind, we develop decision-making skills. These are all the things that, in the pursuit of safety and convenience, we've been removing from our children. If you ask yourself, what did you do when you were a child? How much time did you spend outside? Did your parents allow you to have unstructured play? Now, if I ask these questions of parents, they usually say, oh, yeah, we were out playing till the dark. Mm-hmm. When you ask parents today who has that at their home, very, very few people raise their hand. Uh, statistics are pretty staggering when it comes to how little time children spend outside how little time children walk from home to school, how there are very few chores that are left for kids to do at home because we've replaced all the physical work with conveniences. So instead of cutting and splitting firewood, they need to turn the thermostat. Instead of washing dishes, they need to fill the dishwasher. Instead of hanging laundry, they need to move things from the washer to dryer, and the list goes on. All of those are important life experiences, and the question is not about do we allow kids to take risks. The question should be what happens when we remove all the risks from children for us to take a critical look at not what's going to happen, but what is already happening. And since I work with children and our staff of 55 people work with 1,000 kids per year, we are the recipients on the other end of what is happening when kids are not allowed to take risks and are kept under that protective house arrest, as Richard Liu, who wrote The Last Child in the Woods, put it. 
Well, um, you're like a, you're a father, and as you mentioned, many of us grew up without technology. And let's face it, technology is what seems to be a big preventer of these kids turning to nature and going outside. And so as, as a father, how did you manage modern technology with your kids so they could have that deeper connection with others and in nature? Mm. I've been a father now for 31 years. So, so I get to experience the whole progression of what happened. Uh, my 31-year-old son, this was not an issue. My 26-year-old son, fortunately, didn't want technology. The 19-year-old son got the phone in second year of high school, and we needed to talk to him. And that reason that he got the phone was because the high school removed pay phones. And so all of a sudden, in ninth grade, he could call home, but in 10th grade, he couldn't anymore. So we got him a flip phone. And that was also about the time when all the homework started to be managed on a computer and he ended up on a laptop. So that's how technology fully came to us. And finally, we have Matthias, who is 15. And this is probably the hardest of all because that's the time. That's now. And he also, this is a hard worker, so he saved up money. We got a family plan for all the boys with very limited data. So when data runs out, it runs out, and they collectively have to figure out how to um, uh, how to divide it up between themselves. The youngest one also has to do all the homework on a laptop, and that's probably the hardest battle of all. You know, this conversation about the phone doesn't leave the first floor of the house. The, fur- the phone stays in. That's where we're at, and it certainly, you know, we felt... At one point, intrusion of technology on our home. We felt like here we are. Everybody's doing important work. Nobody's playing computer games. Um, everybody's doing their homework or their work work. And look at the dinner table. There are four people sitting around the table with their laptops. So we made it harder on ourselves. We turned the internet off at home and got an extender device. So to turn the internet off on, you have to go walk for five minutes, plug in the device, walk back for five minutes, and then you have a really poor signal. So that's been a limiting factor for us at home. Since none of us have a strong enough will to just say no, that's what that's what's worked. So that's that's how we're managing it, uh, by creating physical limitations. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is really hard because as technology evolves, and becomes more pervasive, like it, especially since it's so connected to her schoolwork. And then she sees me online too, because that's what I do for a living. Uh, it's it's really challenging. So I was wondering about with this deep immersion nature camp, how um, I can bring that into my home because I, I have to work on the computer too. Um, so it's hard for me almost not to model to her how to separate herself from the technology and to just go out for a walk well that's hard kids are going to do what their parents do or this summer we have one of our friends had their four-year-old who was living with us uh, the whole summer and he dragged behind him a piece of wood and when he would see his uh, father and mother sit down and do their laptop work he would put this piece of wood on his lap and start banging on it. Kids imitate. They do what parents do. So 
if we want some for things to be different for our kids, we have to get up and go split firewood and work in the yard and go for walks and create uh, family, meaningful family time. And we still do. You know, we say we, we would read together almost every night, even on school nights. And we insist on having, no matter how busy we are, we would insist on having breakfast together in the morning unless we have to leave before kids. And then we have dinner at night religiously and we would have a ceremony before dinner, a little ceremony and we would sing together and we bless the meal and we would play board games at, at night and, and kids love it. And we would insist on doing family hikes. If you develop family culture and you gently and lovingly guide kids through it, they don't rebel against it. They appreciate quality time as a family, especially if they can invite their friends to come along, and especially if time revolves around adventure. And so just going for a hike on the weekend, it keeps us healthy. So we are really fortunate that our work as guides gives us this for all this opportunities for really incredible recreation and kids love it our annual family expeditions is something that they look forward to and on those expeditions there is no technology and there's a heartfelt time and there's absolutely just those are decisions that one need to make you know we could say we need our technology when they even when we travel on expedition but do we you know, we continue to use paper maps. We don't use Google Maps when we're driving from place to place. Those are decisions that we make, and we model that with kids. So you get lost, you stop, and you ask someone. And because kids learn by modeling, I think that they're, to some extent, our kids are less technology-dependent than some of the other kids. And that's not to pretend that we don't have to fight the same battle as everybody else. So getting back to your program, because from my understanding, this year marks your 25th anniversary, um, and you're now expanding your camps to include some new programs now on the West Coast. So I was wondering if you could tell me more about that. Sure. So Croca is not just a camp. We are we're a school because a core part of our program works with high school students and gap year students on a semester-long program where students receive travel in the wilderness for four to five months and while receiving full high school and or college academic credit. So that's at the core of Croca. The fall semester that takes it starts in New Hampshire and ends up in South America and the winter semester that starts in northern Canada and as of this year will end up in Manhattan. So those are semester programs and we work with a number of schools. We work with all our local schools in in northern New England and schools come to us from afar. And that's how program in California began because many California schools would come to Crocom and travel across the country and we would say, why are you traveling all the way across the country? You must have lots of programs near you. And they would say, well, we do have wonderful programs near us and we want Croca experience. And so eventually through our, through one of the wonderful alumni families who said, well, use our vineyard as a base, as your base camp and come and run programs here. About six years ago, we started slowly offering programs in Northern California. 
and as of last year, we now have an officially base camp and presence here on the West Coast, and we're happy to be here. Now, final third offering is summer camp for about 400 kids, ranging in age from 9 to 18. And as of this year, we're going to start building summer camp here in California as well. This year, we're just offering one program for teenagers. So here, our programs currently range from base camp offerings, working on the Fry Biodynamic Farm and exploring the woods of Mendocino County and living simply at at the camp that has uh, a tarp for a kitchen and a fireplace and intense and just very, very basic, simple living with compost toilet to uh, traveling on a lost coast and also our hiking itineraries. And we're starting now to offer river trips on the Trinity and Ill River, as well as multi-element trips where you hike and paddle. So those are California programs. Our base camp in New Hampshire, which is based on the year-round organic farm and the community where families families live together so it's a, it's a real it's a real living village we offer our programs in seven schools in the white water paddling school rock climbing and caving school open water school mountain bike packing etc and what we teach which is what is different from many wonderful places where you could learn adventure sports is that we teach adventure sports in order for students to participate in remote expeditions. We teach technical skills that are necessary for students to leave the world for one, two, three, or more weeks at a time and live in nature uh, while paddling, climbing, bikepacking, etc. So that's a unique um, aspect of Croca. It sounds great. It sounds like I, I was reading all about your program and I um, I noticed that there was this connection with Latin America. Um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Sure. We have a base in um, Ecuador and uh, that's a very unique, uh, unique place as it is also the first certified organic farms in Ecuador where four families with children live together on the farm that's been in the family for many generations. We were able to bring our students in the inter-Andean plateau to this amazing uh, place on the equator. And from there, we can travel to snow-capped volcanoes. We can travel down to the Amazon basin or to the Atlantic side through Paramos to cloud forest to rainforest down to the jungle. So it's just a really unique place and wonderful, wonderful people. And being a um, developed country, we're able to have a positive impact on the sustainable economy as we work with many indigenous groups and bring them income where they're able to continue their traditional occupations of craftsmanship, of working land by hand, uh, while teaching our students and earning sustainable income. So we're very motivated to be of help there. And there's so much for us to learn. That sounds like such a wonderful experience. Um, so I'm wondering if you can tell me briefly about what you're planning to talk about um, this Tuesday at the Marin Waldorf School. Sure. Well, it's a parenting workshop. We start by having a conversation. I don't lecture. I facilitate conversation between amongst parents to reflect on their own growing up and what risks they were able to take growing up and then circle back to their children and talk about what risks children are able to take now 
and usually we get to a place where we could see that we're in the middle of unprecedented experiment right now that within two short generations, the way we've been raising children since the beginning of time has dramatically changed. And we look at uh, some of the implications and, con and, and then we consider what can we do if we recognize that this experiment can lead us to a place where we don't want to go to, then we start working through a battery of ways in which we can change our home life, strengthen our community, affect our schools to give kids back what the childhood running around, falling out of the trees childhood has been for so long and what we owe to our children since we are they're not commodities, they're not possessions, they're human beings. We need to allow them to grow up into the world. The world is not any less safe than it has ever been. The world is more safe and statistic is fully out there. People are kinder, the communities are safer. Perception of risk is what, in the fear that's paralyzing us, is what has such an effect on, on lives of our kids. And we need to recognize it and take small incremental steps. So is there anything else that you want to add? Well, thank you so much for talking with me. And I, our program received a really warm welcome here in California. And we're excited uh, to, to be here. And so thank you, Ronnie. You're welcome. Thank you. You can meet Misha on Tuesday, November 13th at 6.30 p.m. at the Marin Waldorf School in San Rafael. For more information about Croca Expeditions, visit them online at Croca, K-R-O-K-A dot org. Thanks so much for joining me, Misha. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Really appreciate it.